Welcome to Dangerous Minds, where we delve into the minds of biohackers, grinders, and take a closer look at the tech being implanted and developed by this community. Joining us on the program tonight, Damien, a grinder and partner with DangerousThings.com, and Cooper, a sysadmin who lives open source solutions. Up first, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Dangerous Things, who delivers custom gadgetry for discerning hacker and biohacker. So check them out at DangerousThings.com. If you or your organization is interested in sponsoring the efforts of Dangerous Minds podcast, please feel free to reach out to us at DangerousMinds.io and or email us at info at DangerousMinds.io and we'll be glad to talk to you about it. This week on Dangerous Minds podcast, we are celebrating 50 plus episodes by taking another look at the hosts, who they are and why they do it. So thanks for joining us today there, Cursor. Hello. Do you mind starting by introducing yourself and telling us what biohacking, grinding, and transhumanism means to you and your own grinders at work? So I'm Cursor, as you guys know. I'm um, the better of the three uh, in the podcast. <laughs> I'm sure they're disagreeing. Yeah, they're disagreeing. And um, so in terms of grinding, transhumanism, and you know my own grind, um, I've written a, a sort of a subsection for, for something that I'm going to be releasing in the next few weeks, hopefully, which is like a video um, documentary. Um, and in it, I sort of describe the fact that uh, Alan Turing sort of developed the Turing test and um, after, after which countless years of development have, have sort of tried to build a machine that has conscious thought. And what I like to think of grinding and transhumanism biohacking is, is actually reversing those roles. So actually what you're doing is you're creating something that's a, a cognitive you know, being like the human, and then you're adding that technology. Um, I think doing it this way is probably the better way to approach the same goal. In, in, in regards to my own grind, um, I don't know how much it means to me. It's, it's kind of like an inclusive part of what I do now, signing onto the podcast every week, um, checking you know, forums and groups and et cetera, et cetera. Um, in terms of what I hope it will be, I guess I like the idea of adding senses and this sort of thing. And it all obviously started from RFID and from the podcast has sort of grown into major, major like things. Why don't you tell us about the man behind the name? Who are you and what do you do? So I am a software engineer um, in London, UK. Um, I recently graduated with a master's in RF technology, which you guys will know from the intro. That master's was actually looking at the vulnerabilities of different RFID uh, technologies and methods of implementation, which is a kind of weird thing that was spurred on by my interest in the implantables that are put out by Dangerous Things. So I sort of took that, looked at what was available and the different kind of vulnerabilities that you could then um, you know, ex exploit in current systems such as transport systems, payment systems, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And now after that, I, I work full-time as a dev in Canary Wharf in London, um, and that's what pays the bills. Yeah, we all know about the paying the bills. What got you into the grinding scene and also your involvement in this podcast? How did it all start? This, this is, I guess, an easier question because we often get asked it by, by different people, but um, even, even the fact that you now say, you know, how'd you get into the grinding scene? I know that there's a bunch of my friends that will listen to this and they will still laugh at that because obviously, you know, the situation of what grinding is and, you know, what everyone considered it, it to be. I remember actually telling them, oh yeah, we're doing a podcast on biohacking grinding. And every single time it comes up, they stop at exactly the same point. And they're like, what are you doing your podcast about? But I guess, how did I get in, into the grinding scene? Um, I think what it was, was. I think I've discussed this before, but one day, you know, when you do these YouTube things where you go from one video to the next and never to next. And um, it was one of those. I think I started watching some like software uh, review or hardware review on a new product and eventually just ended up um, at the TED talk by Emil, where he discussed the RFID implants. It's quite an, an earlier video. So not much was actually out at that sort of time. And then it just sort of made sense to me. I put it off for a long time, uh, eventually got one did the uh, self-implant, which was cool. As long as you're doing it right, I, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a good thing to do so you understand it, I think. Uh, a lot more sort of goes into the thought of your skin, where things are, if you do actually self-implant, but obviously make sure you're doing it right. 
And then uh, I joined the Facebook group. And after that, through the comments on different posts, I found Damien, who's our other host. And I will never know why I joined that group now because there's no going back. I remember, I, I think I met up with, with Damien where we spoke about raising awareness um, about especially the UK scene or even just raising awareness about RFID because it hadn't sort of made it over so much then. I remember it was just sort of setting up with piercers and things like that. And then randomly, I was chilling out one evening and um, Damien rang me up and he said, hey, me and this other guy want to start a podcast. And then when he told me it was Cooper, I was thinking, oh God, Cooper, the guy that posts everything on the group, like he... Cooper like had my whole like news feed locked down every day. This guy, this guy is a, is a warrior. Yeah. He, <laughs> he had so much stuff. And to be honest, I was like, if there's one good thing he's do- good, good at doing is talking. And um, I guess this is going to be like the 50th episode or something, 51 or something. Um, uh, just be glad that uh, you guys can press the pause button <laughs> because we can't know. To be honest, Cooper is, is, the, is the unsung hero, I think. Uh, I guess we can take a moment to sort of thank him for that. I think uh, Damien will, will concur with what I'm saying. Like, without him, there would definitely not be a podcast. Even, like, getting us organised from the other side of the world is almost impossible. And, you know, I want to say, yeah, thank, thanks for, for, for basically keeping us in check at this point, I guess. Uh, yeah, I just want to say that I definitely agree with that. Um, without Cooper, there isn't the podcast. He is the uh, the man behind the scenes, so to speak. We more or less just show up and make a few edits here and there. Just to continue from my jump there, you done a self-implant. So I'm sure you're going to post a link to that to the Dangerous Minds podcast group. Um, so it pops up on people's news feeds. But if you could change anything to make the experience any better, um, kind of guide other people that are going to plan on doing this, what would you change about how you've done that? Um, I think I'll definitely upload the video or it might be part of the documentary thing that I spoke about and we'll speak about that later. If I could change some stuff, I would definitely change some stuff. I think the first time you've got to understand it's never going to be perfect. And I had done a lot of research. I actually carried around this thing for like five months, like everywhere I went. It was like in the car, basically. And I'd, I'd drive a lot. So it was pretty much everywhere I went. And I wasn't drinking and driving, just saying for the for the listeners. But um, we, I was at a friend's. We were, we were having a few beers, chilling out. It wasn't a mad one. And then for some reason they were like, so when are you going to do this, this, this implant thing? And the next thing I know we're Googling YouTube and I looked at the, the video from various different places like the Sparkfarm one and Dave's one as well. And then we sort of sat there and um, I did it then. So what I'd say is maybe not doing it in that circumstance. I remember afterwards I got really like, just not to put anyone off, but I got like really cold so maybe like having something like sugary around would have been great as opposed to just a beer. So it's, it's almost preparation as opposed to actually the actual procedure. The procedure in general was all right. I had a, a friend to tent the skin, which I would recommend. Don't do the, the, the closed peg way. Just get a friend, even if you're going to do it yourself. I'm sure they can hold up like, you know, the tenting of your skin. The other thing I would like to do is maybe record it a bit better. I had one of my friends recording it, but, you know, it was like a few guys, you know, it was sort of, oh, let's just record it to see how, like, crazy cursor is kind of thing. But, yeah, maybe those things. Um, I wouldn't ever put anyone off doing it themselves because once you get over the whole idea of, you know, it being like a, a needle and stuff, the procedure is not too difficult, although I wouldn't then say go up and stab yourself, you know, do some research, but don't be put off in terms of if there's no one in like a five hour radius of you, you know, you're never going to get this thing done. So just going from there, you actually gave me an idea for DMU. Um, how about making a video? So I've got a spare tag here, just opening it all up. Obviously it can't be used again, but then I can just state what each piece is within the, the kit, how to use it, and also some tips from piercers that I've received along the way. As you know, I get on quite well with my local piercer and I've picked up quite a few things from them. Yeah, I think that would be a good idea. Um, the other thing I'd like to do um, is when Amal came over, I think at the start of the year, or maybe actually it was it was last year now, as time, time flies, um, we did my second implant, the XCM, in the right hand. And while we were doing that, we were actually asking Amal um, so what are we doing now? What's what's this bit about? Why are we not doing this? You know, any tips for doing this, etc. And I think if that was made a little bit better than just you know us just recording in a in a hotel room, 
sounds a bit strange, but um, then it, it would probably be quite useful because there's there's definitely some tips that Angle comes out with that you you wouldn't necessarily think of. Like once you put your hand on the mat, don't move your hand because you know you're just moving things around. This is something that you don't really tend to consider if if you're just doing it yourself. So what would you tell someone that's thinking about getting started in biohacking? Um, someone's getting started. Um, don't do it. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, I, was, I was speaking to Amy actually like yesterday, I think it was, because I found my first order with Dangerous Things back in 2016, it was actually. And um, was it 16 or 15? It was one of those years anyway. And I sent him the picture and I said, you know, why couldn't you have just said it was out of stock? You know, and then, I, then I could have just gone home and gone to bed and forgot about this whole thing. But um, yeah, it was actually uh, 2015. Um, definitely time goes. But to be honest, what I'd say is reach out to the community. You know, we, we do it every week. Don't, don't feel like anyone, you know, you can't speak to anyone. Get on the Dangerous Things forum, the Biohack forums, the Facebook groups. Uh, as you know, from every week that we record, every single person will make time for you. So just, just don't feel stupid. I remember actually at the end of last week's podcast, which I think was after, after we stopped the recording, I spoke about when um, I first spoke to Emil, how I wrote out the email to Emil and it was like the nicest written English you'll ever see. It was like, honestly, I was, I was sending an email to Her Majesty herself. It's like, dear sir, please, um, could you take a moment to look over blah, 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 blah. And um, like I'm saying, like, Aim was not like that and no one is like that in the community so don't feel like you need to put that time into that as I say now he just randomly sends video of him doing his own version of uh, carpool karaoke and that kind of random crap so um, that just shows him shows you who he is he's a good friend of all of us and um, he always has the time to help anyone out did anyone else get to see that video I don't know the song name the one that's better than Danny can I'm, I'm trying to unsee it every day <laughs> Cooper, did you ever see that video? He sent it to me in a Facebook chat. It was really funny. We see him driving in the car. He'd heard this song, uh, I think he said like five or six times in a row. And right as it got to where Better Than Danny Can or whatever it says, he just started making loads of random noises. And it was really funny. Yeah, he actually posted that to his Facebook wall. That's where I saw it. I was just like, oh, good Lord, Emil. What are you on? <laughs> Do you know that had me in stitches for a good ten minutes? I watched that about four or five times. It just shows you though what what type of guy he is. You know, he's 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 a fun guy to be around, and to be fair, you kind of have to be, and you have to be a little bit crazy to get into this. You know, he he's he's the perfect encompass of everything like that. I would just say that you know he's been involved in tech for a long time, so it's not a big surprise to me that he's just a big nerd like the rest of us. Do you know what? Even. After doing a bit of research on him when I was happy to do the tag, after meeting him and seeing the processes that he does, they, they just are insane. His um, sort of safety checks on what he builds is immense. I mean, I'm happy to been able to beta test some of his products for him. If anyone questions that as well, I know on Get On To The Dangerous Things Forum, like we need more people on that because there is so many good posts. Like I know I've spoken about it before, but the testing that an, that an X series goes through is incredible, including the... Uh, the cooked chicken dinner. Yep, there's that one. The crushing one, the liquid nitrogen. I'm surprised there's not shot one with a gun. My favourite is the, uh, um, uh, what's the electromagnetic pulse thing? You guys will know probably better AMP. than I It's. I think he does it on the tag and it goes flying around. Oh, I saw that one ages ago. Yeah, I can't really remember that one too well. But yeah, I did see that. So are you working on any projects either with uh, Hackerspace or other groups? You know, what are you working on right now? I'm always working. There's no end to sort of projects. Um, it just tends to be the amount of time that I actually get to do them. At the moment, I am working alongside Cooper and sort of preparing for DEF CON. There's, there's a few things that I want to get sort of done in time to be able to show some stuff at DEF CON. Um, if I have the time to do that, I don't really want to say too much about what, what it is, just in case I can't deliver it in time. You know, I have a few ideas there. I've also got a few ideas in terms of the Vivo key, which I know everyone is excited about. Looking at that, hope, hopefully we'll be able to um, create some deployable apps in time to, to demo some, some decent stuff. And then past that, I'm, I'm, I'm working on this, as I say, this documentary thing, which the first thing hopefully will be released before I start going to DEF CON. It will just be about 
you know, the, the implant procedure and basically around RFID implants. And then the second lot of the documentary will be the, the trip to DEFCON, if you like, which I don't know what format we're going to do that in. That might be like a you know, part live stream, part documentary type thing or just a, a, a daily blog. But we'll, we'll work that out. We'll, we'll, we'll show that as we're going through DEFCON. So then as a teaser, can you tell us a little bit about biohacking across the pond or in my case, uh, biohacking across America? I'm trying to work on a few things that will be able to be demoed. They won't be able to be picked up or bought or implemented yet, but hopefully they will be able to be used in the future. There's a few updates to some current things that need to happen. I know I'm not really giving you anything here, but um, I think it will just be a case of you thought this could happen and now you know it's going to happen kind of thing. More of like a, you know, we said that this, this is going to work, this is going to work, I'm showing you that it's working. So um, anyone that is around DEF CON, hit us up because I will try and have something interesting to show you guys. Um, and of course, I think we'll have time for like interviews and that sort of random stuff over there. Um, so it should be a great laugh. You, you'll know what we're doing by the, by the videos. I hope that's enough, Cooper, because uh, <laughs> I don't know what more I can say. <laughs> what would you tell someone that's thinking about getting their first implant? For example, which one would you tell them to get? How would you help them pick which one? And if you've got video link of maybe someone that you've helped, where can we find it? I think the idealistic answer to this is find something that you, you want to do and then get the implant that goes with that. But you know, we've, we've all been in a situation like, and realistically it just doesn't happen like that. You know, you go for something that's cool and then you think, Oh, what can I do with this afterwards? You know, it's just the hacker, the hacker mindset. How many people have random raspberry pies lying around the house or like Arduino's here and here and here, right? You buy it cause it's cool. And then you're like, right now let's hack it to do something. I think my advice would be if, if you don't have a purpose, like, you know, a certain door you want to open or et cetera, et cetera, go and get an XNT because the XMT is NFC compliant, which means that, you know, it's going to work instantly out of the box with the majority of smartphones that have NFC comp compatibility. The future of the iPhone is kind of, we don't know it's in the balance at the moment because they may be opening NFC. We don't know how far and we don't know how that can be used, but all of the uses for, for NFC are there. I mean, if you think of the XCM, which is the low frequency tag, it's, it's sort of a dumb device. You know, you have like a string and, this string says if it's allowed or it's not allowed. The XNT can do far more, like making it do things, connect to Wi-Fi, and also the future of any other apps that you want to create or someone else creates, you can do that as well. The only other piece of advice I'd say is come up with a story of why, because I'm telling you, once you get this done, you know, I, I, don't, I don't actively go around and tell people that I have these implants. It's just, you know, someone in the room might know it, and for some reason that then becomes like, you know, the focus of the whole evening. Um, in fact, sometimes I don't even like talking about it, not because I don't agree with it or anything like that. It's just because there's more to me than the fact that I have an RFID chip in my hand, right? And I don't want that to be the thing that identifies me. Some people like that. I don't, which is the reason why I quite like the fact it's not even visible, but it's going to come up. And when it does come up, the first question I'm going to get is, why would you do that? And for a lot of people saying, why not? I think it's cool. You know, I could do all these random things like open my house is not enough. And it's not your job to try and justify why you've made these actions and you should know that, but you need something just to shut them up in the meantime. So I don't know, just nod or yeah, yeah, we can do it for that. Yeah, it's like that. Oh, but can you be tracked? Well, well, probably not, but come up with a story. Come up with a story. In your own grind, what has been your favorite or single best memorable moment in the past 50 episodes? Make it sort of about a project, not about meeting me, because I know that's the top, okay? <laughs> oh, wow. This is a hard question because we've done a lot of episodes. Um, every one I've done, I've really enjoyed. I mean, we said before that when you come off of them, you're, you're just in awe and shock, you know, how devoted the people are and how intelligent the people are. Every single person sort of leaves me with this whole like craziness of how, how devoted they are, which I think is great. If I was to narrow it down, I'd probably think of two episodes. So one would be with Tim Cannon, actually. Cooper was on the episode with um, me when we did this. And um, I think Damien was off that week. It was the infamous squirrel episode, which by the time this maybe goes out, some people might know about it. Some people might not, depending on how generous Cooper is feeling or non-generous towards me. 
Damon was off with with uh, Emil actually doing a conference at the time. But this this was with Tim, and I really love this episode. In fact, what I could say to my biggest critic said to me, uh, "Ash, you sound a bit overexcited, like a bit of a knob." And I said, "Dad, he's a crazy developer. You know, <laughs> he's really cool." But to be honest, it kind of stuck with me because I remember him saying something along the lines of, I don't want to be on the spaceship. I want to be the spaceship. And afterwards, I remember thinking, like, what is he on about? Like, are you sure he's okay? Like, does he need any help or anything like that? <laughs> and, um, you know, Tim, don't, don't come and help, hate me for that. But now looking back, I totally get you. I totally understand you. I think you're awesome. And I really did enjoy speaking to you. Um, and hopefully I'll be able to speak to you in person later on this year if you are around because that'd be cool my, my love for tim there uh, cooper is uh making gestures at me but um he he's he's you know he, he's he's sort of like the reincarnation of me in a, in a in a more out there grinder form type thing and now i'm getting faces from everyone so i'll move on from that one <laughs> save something for defcon buddy <laughs> i think um the second one is probably the episode with Rich Lee, which I think I've spoken about as well before. But to reiterate, it was it was not the first one with Rich Lee. I remember meeting him the, on the first episode. He's awesome. He's a really really nice guy. Which is kind of strange because all we have to go on before we have them on the podcast is you know what we've read about them. You know all the Lovetron stuff, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and then he comes on. And he, he's you know he's he's generally a really really nice guy. But it's when we had him back on. And he spoke about the battle that he was currently going through with the custody of his children. This was a really, really hard episode for all of us, um, especially Cooper as well. It kind of hit us in the feels, if you like. And I remember afterwards, it took Cooper a little while to do the sign-off. And I remember him sort of battling through the sign-off. Um, I think it hit home. And I think we, we just sat there for like two minutes. And I remember like messaging Cooper afterwards to say like, you know, okay, that was like intense. Are you cool? You know, he's like, yeah, we're all good. Fine. But I mean, like for us, it was like, we could, we could switch off, but to know that Rich can't and to know that it's something he's going through was, was very, very difficult. And it was also the first time that I'd actually actively seen anything against the community, you know, for being different in, in such a, like a serious and formal way, if you like, uh, it wasn't just a brash, you know, or people saying that we're, we're going to get tracked and it's the sign of the beast, which we can all laugh off. It's actually something that like really does hit everyone. That was probably the moment where I realized, you know, this, this is actually something that, you know, needs to be looked at. So with all these episodes that we've mentioned that we've talked about and all the work that you've done, all the projects you've done, what is the biggest impact you want to make? I think this is another tough question. I mean, there's so much tougher on the other side of the fence. <laughs> I think it just shows how clever and quick our guests are. But um, I think it's also a question where the answer sort of changes in regards to myself quite often, depending on the people we have in. It sort of depends what, what impact I want it to make. I guess the, in terms of the podcast, I kind of want it to be like a platform that allows the sharing of the knowledge of all the different areas or corners of this sort of like sphere uh, of the community and sort of allows the union of these, of these ideas and hopefully propels in the same direction. So it's sort of like an area that people can say, oh, this is going on here. I didn't know they were doing this. Maybe we should talk to them about this. And, and I hope that through this, some people decide that they're going to work together or there's going to be some, some sort of research where another person has taken someone else's research and, and work together. And, and hopefully that's the platform there. Not to let you off the hook. I'm really curious about the impact you yourself want to make. Not talking about Cursor here, talking about the man behind the handle. With your work, uh, your studies in RFID technology, with your coding, with all your side projects, anything past that, you know, even down to past DMU, past DMP, what do you want to do? What do you want to be remembered for? This, yeah, it's definitely a hard question. I think when I was younger, I, I always wanted to like, you know, my goal in life was to be infamous. I don't mean famous, I mean infamous. And this is probably something a bit bit wrong in my head. But, <laughs> you know, I just wanted to like leave a mark somewhere. It wasn't like a negative thing in terms of, you know, I just want to make sure like some people hated me by the time I, I, I like passed on. But like in terms of I wanted to leave some something there, you know, being known as the guy that did 
this hack or did this thing or developed this thing. At the moment, I'm sort of adopting the approach of just because something doesn't change the world doesn't mean that it's not important. It's, it's building the wall. It's, it's putting every brick down as perfectly as you can to build the wall. And I'm not, I'm not here. I'm, like my goal is not to force something. You know, I'll know when I've reached it. I hope to make some sort of impact as a positive impact, whether it's in this community, where it's not in this community, that hopefully, hopefully will drive. Because, uh, I mean, I think of it as like a, an egg and spoon race, or not an egg and spoon race, but a, um, what's the race where you pass the ballot relay, is it? I kind of feel like we know our time is limited. So instead of trying to finish the race, just try and run as far as you can down the track before you pass it on. And if, if I know that I've achieved that, then, then that's, that's what I want to do. So, do you know, I think this is a very fitting question to come right after that answer. What a great challenge or hurdle um, in your role with DMP. How was it solved, um, if solved by you or one of the other hosts? Or for that matter, when was the last one? Maybe you've had a few along the way that you want to talk about. I think we'd be lying to the listeners if we said it was all like sunshine and rainbows in terms of DMP. It's very, very difficult. As we said before, without Cooper, it wouldn't happen. And the level of commitment that it takes from even just turning up every week is quite significant. I mean, you've got, a, it's, it happens on a Sunday, you, you know, you turn up to the, to, the, to the host and that's not to say that we don't enjoy having people. It's to say, you know, it's, you still need a certain level of commitment. And I think the biggest challenge that we've had is the time zones. So as you know, uh, me and Damien are in the UK and Cooper is over the other side of the US, which means... I believe there's a seven-hour time zone difference. Uh, six hours. Yeah, it's six hours, which means that on a Sunday afternoon, I think Cooper does it at 3 p.m. That's, that's his uh, podcast starting time. But for us over here, it actually starts at 9 p.m. Because obviously our hosts are from the U.S., um, we, we keep in terms of their time zone. But over here, we start at 9. Our podcasts sometimes run three hours. You know, that you're then looking at 11, 12 o'clock to, to go to bed and start up and out by you know five thirty six o'clock in the morning so to start to start the week sort of on the back foot is very very difficult but it's one of these things that you get over um i, w- I would never ever ever compromise what we're doing just because we need an extra hour of sleep because life is not like that but i think sometimes it's very difficult as well in terms of when <laughs> i remember when when the time zones changed so the clocks went forwards and backwards we hit a few problems there because Cooper was ready to go. Some of us were like, oh no, I thought it was an hour and stuff like that. But it just, you know, eventually, eventually it's just going to be one of these things that, that we get used to. Yeah, I agree with you there. It is, it's not easy getting it all along. And thank you, Cooper, for keeping everything organised. But it's definitely worth all the trouble that we go to to get some of the conversations that we have are just insane. Any mind-blowing moments, topics you would like to see us cover more um, that we have not done and have not covered really much yet. I think my mind blown moments have been, you know, I can't put them down. It's, it's every episode. There's at least been one or two or three or, you know, we, we have this list of like hypothetical t-shirts. We've got a print with, with mind blowing statements on them, uh, which I'm sure we'll get around to at some point in terms of things that I'd like to see a bit more. I'd like to see new tropics a bit more. It's something that I'm quite interested in, although it's, it's very, very difficult to sort of compare them from the States to over to over here because, you know, different legislation, import of, you know, compounds and that sort of thing. On the Saturday before recording this podcast, I listened to a talk from the Biohack Village um, from, a, from DEFCON. Uh, I can't remember what year it was. And I believe it was by a person called Gingerbread, possibly. He did, did a very, very quick talk on the different compounds in nootropics. And it seems like what I know nootropics as is only scratching the surface of what's possible. So it'd be quite cool to see a bit more about that. Um, I think the talk was from 2015. It'd be quite good to, to, to know more about that. And I, I hope that when I'm over there, we can try and grab someone that, that is from the sphere of nootropics and, and talk to them. That talk was actually from 2015, the first year of DEFCON's Biohacking Village. It was a soft uh, launch of it um, last year 2016 was the first year first official year for the biohacking village and unfortunately they didn't have any recording audio or video but that's why you and I will be there uh, because uh, as a part of DMP 
we're going to be there to volunteer our our skills, our equipment to help make sure that it can be both audio and video recorded so it can be shared on YouTube and through our podcast, as well as we'll be there to record our what will be our official 100th episode as an early celebration of it because we are behind on uh, on recording on publishing what we've already recorded, but you know life gets in the way. I think um, if, as I say before, if if anyone is out there or um, going to be out at DefCon, do come and chat to us. Uh, we'd love to, you know. Hopefully, if you had some time, do it like a quick. It can be a quick interview if you want. Just you know, catching up. How how do you feel about how DefCon's going? You know, what what have you talked about? And anything, even just highlights. If you've got five minutes, do come and grab us. Like Cooper says, we, we're going to be there the majority of the time doing doing stuff. So make the most of it. Come see us, and we'll be you know glad to talk to you about it. Yeah, we'll be there on the 24th through the 31st or 30th, whatever it is. And uh, you can find one of us pretty easily. I'm working to make that happen to where uh, you'll be able to easily find one of us uh, fairly marked. We're going to have a, a couple of cameras with us, one for the village itself and then one outside of the village in a corner to not get crowd shots, but to be able to have a quick interview with you, with one of us asking some simple questions like, why did you get into biohacking? How did you get into biohacking? What does biohacking mean to you? And also possibly, Cursor's favorite question of, uh, how can you get biohacking more mainstream? Yeah, it'd be good um, to get as many opinions of those things as possible. Um, I think the end goal is to put this again into like a, a video montage or something, Cooper, and, and release it on the, um, the DMPU or just in the DMP podcast? Probably on uh, YouTube, really. As far as DMU, we're, we're trying to reserve that specifically for tutorials, whether it be lockpicking, biohacking, working through personal experiences, working through different tools, whether it be Aircrack and G. Wireshark, anything, you know, just giving people basic, eventually more advanced instructions in these areas. Uh, even down to hopefully with, uh, with the help of Proface Bio Studios here in Austin, we'll, we might have some classes on CRISPR and uh, other projects they're currently working on. So I guess this is a, another, another call for maybe if, if you didn't want to be part of the, the video series or if you, even if you did, um, but you had something from a lockpick village or something you've been working on that you just want to come and showcase, we can, we can sort of look at tutorials for that as well. So just, just come for us for any reason. I'm sure we can find something cool. Can you tell us about the implants you currently have and also if you've had any removed and the reasons for removing them? Um, yeah, so I have an XEM in my left hand, which is my first one. I think my next one was actually the, the Flex NT, which is in... My left knife edge, I think you call it. And then the the last one I had was my XCM, which goes in my right hand, just between the webbing of my thumb and finger um, in the usual place that you find it. The XCM I use for random day-to-day. -day. Mostly, actually, I use the XCM for testing. So for things like the Dangerous Things apps and um, the support tool, a lot of that was, was, was done with the support tool was done with my... Um, XEM. I kind of figured if I don't break mine, it's not going to break yours. So if there's any like consolation, then you know your tag is not going to be broken because I've tried it on mine many, many, many times. My XEM uh, allows me to get in some buildings for access control, which is useful. I kind of forget that it's there. I just sort of use it every day and it, it sort of just works. Um, sadly, the flex needs to be removed. There's nothing wrong with the manufacturing of the flex from dangerous things. It's just, it was a pre beta test. And actually um, I knew it was going to get removed before I had it in. It was a case of, we wanted to see how it would react in the body. This is going to get removed and hopefully we'll, we'll um, produce some area for something else to fill the gap. And whether this happens in the next few months or, you know, past that point, we'll, we'll have to find out. But yep, that's, that's what I've got at the moment. And this is why I guess I need to get them removed. What implant do you feel is missing in the world? What implant do you want to be developed? What implant would you like to actually make yourself? It's not so, so much missing, but the idea of 
um, transmitting sound wirelessly is quite cool. So I know, um, you know, the solutions that people have, such as like Richly, has the inductive coil around the neck, uh, which, you know, um, makes the magnet vibrate. It's in the tragus. I think these are quite cool. I'd quite like to see more development in that area. So I know it's not possible at the moment to get a stereo sound because of how, you know, the mechanics of, of, of that system works. It's mono. But um, if there was any way of doing that, I think the biggest thing, and we could go on forever about the things that we would love to have from, from connectivity to, you know, just general functionality. But what I'd love to see is just any powered device that is safe enough to use. Uh, I know, you know, we've seen things that, um, you know, people like Tim are doing um, grindhouse wetware um, in terms of actual powered devices. They'd like to see a lot more of, of that being tested. And I think this, this will then open the door to um, lots of other things, which I'd like to see. Um, I think things like vitals tracking is, is very important. And, and hopefully, I think the biggest ones that I'd love to see in the next few months, years, however long it takes would be, you know, everyone goes to payment devices. I think payment is a massive one to get down in the uh, RFID arena. The crypto algorithms, which we know is coming out with the Vivo key would be cool. And transport as well. I know a lot of smaller or older systems can run uh, using like an X, XNT, but the more complex systems require, you know, certain like Java applets and some like triple dares AES encryption. So it'd be cool to, to see some of these implemented a bit better at the moment than they are, which I hope will be not too far in the future. Speaking of projects, what projects are you hoping to share on DMU and the Dangerous Minds YouTube channel? Can you share with us a spoiler about the work that you're doing there? Any uh, teasers, more teasers, please. I don't want to say I'm going to, I'm going to turn around and do this because like within a certain amount of time, because time is something that is just always, you know, a struggle to get, but I've spoken about it a few times. I'd quite like to um, actually put some, some tutorials into programming, not so much directed all the way to the implants or the grind, grinding sphere of things, but just to get people started, I think if I can teach or even just like get someone to, to start looking at how to program, like, Java application development, then getting things like NFC applications is, is not too difficult to do once you understand it. Luckily, the Java SDK is written very, very well. I feel like if, if I can inspire people to start doing their own development, I think in total this will bring everything you know, up to speed. And, and I think this is, this is something that I've always found missing. You know, the hardware's cool. Everyone's working on hardware and hardware and hardware. You know, every single person seems to be working on hardware. But I feel like we don't want to get to a point where the software is just trailing behind, especially in the future with things like the Vivo key coming out. You know, this is a massive piece of hardware which has so much potential. You know, it's, it can run its own Java applets on the actual tag, which means, you know, it, it can function as anything from like um, an ID card to running its own algorithms. But this is, again, just a piece of metal until we create some sort of software backing to it some nice UI design that, that people can use. And I hope that I'll be able to sort of help that along its way. The other thing we need to sort pretty quickly is the, the cloner project, which I know various people have been working on for various amount of times and, and then it sort of disappears. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm to blame for that as well. This is, this is something that, that I'm well aware of. I understand the issue. You know, I've spoken to people that have the issue with the, the block tags, right? Damien himself has had this, and we've we tried to work to, to sort of fix this. But I think this is something that actually needs some, a lot of time to put in, which is a big ask for people in the community, because essentially a lot of people in the community are doing it off their own voluntary work. And to give the time that they give anyway is good. To ask them to turn around a, a project of that size and scale is a big ask. Um, so I feel like it just, just needs to be done. And maybe people need to come together and we, we, can, we can try and figure it out. Figure it out. I think there's... On the forum, there's a post dedicated to this. Anyone that has the time, just, just go and have a look and hopefully we'll be getting it sorted. I think the issue is we have logical steps to fix this, but not everything with this kind of technology is that logical, both with the hardware that you have, which tends to be very expensive. If you're going to use something like a Proxmark or even just doing smaller development work, it can get quite complicated. It's right in raw bytes to, to RFID tags. Just to 
jump in there as well. The another thing with the EM one is I spoke to Amor, and an interesting thing about the RFID tags over the NFC, they've also got sort of an antenna configuration page. Amor told me about, and I had no idea about this, and I seem to have had a problem with that on mine. But that was just really interesting when I found that one out. I spoke to Cursor about it, and uh, he said that well, whatever Amor says is more or less true with these things. <laughs> I think the important thing to understand is, like, as, as I say, like, I'm not blowing my trumpet or anything, but I've done the masters specialising in this, and I'm telling you, the things that Emil knows are unreal. I was going to him for help for my for my masters, which you know I'll, I'll thank him to the end of the year for that. But I'm telling you, this this guy knows what he's talking about. There's there's no oh well, you know, he, what would he know kind of stuff. He he seriously does know what he's talking about from left to right, up to down. And what's quite interesting about the, the tags that Damon's talking about is um, these these are the UID changeable ones. Is that correct? Uh, so because there is a now an NFC or um, sorry NFC UID changeable official now. Uh, let me just double check the name of that. That's the XM one. Um, this one's the XEM UID, and also the standard can be changed as well. In regards to UID changeable cards, I think, you know, they've often been called like magic Chinese cards because you're not supposed to develop them apart from the people in China or the XM1 I know has that compatibility. You can change the UID on them, which is the major point. But if you change that UID to something random and change the sectors, it just disappears. You cannot read it at all. It's almost like it's dead. I was doing some development work with one, which I know that Damien has, and one day it just disappeared not disappeared physically, but I was trying to scan for it on the Proxmark. Eventually I just decided to write a new UID to it and it popped back up as if nothing was wrong whatsoever. So um, I think a lot of people forget that UID is not just used for like identification, but it's used for like collision, you know, and, and this sort of thing. So it's not just, you know, oh, just one, two, three, four. It's, it's you know, it's got to be a, a structured, structured thing. Uh, they're very, very temperamental. So hopefully more education on down to more specific things would be good but i don't also want to open the door for people breaking their tags which is why we created the support tool which can enable people to get support wherever they are and be able to send a dump straight to to amor if they need to do that correct me if i'm wrong here the way i've always interpreted interpreted it as is your uid is also the way of your tag sort of saying hello to the reader because if you've got an active reader it's constantly looking for a tag and it doesn't sense a tag until it gets a uid back so if you screw up out with that somehow mess it up put the wrong one in delete it you technically don't present the tag uid is a complicated thing and there's a reason why it comes out of the manufacturers blocked you know you can't change it and there's several reasons for that one of the things a lot of people forget is that the anti-collision mechanism in rfid is actually decent it's the people that implement it that decide not to do it so a typical one in London would be the Oyster card system. If you have a bank card and your Oyster card next to each other, it will just beep and reject it. It won't scan any of them. And this is done as, it's done maybe as a lazy way, but it's also done to prevent you getting double charged. If you're going to get charged on the way through, your, through with your debit card, and you're going to get charged through with the Oyster card as well. This is a bad thing. But in, you know, it, it could essentially go through them. You know, you can read stacks of RFID. If you look at, Things like where it's used in logistics, you know, you have massive shipping containers full of RFID tags. And, you know, it's, it's not like, oh, hang on a second, can you just reverse it? Can you just go back through it? It just doesn't happen like that. Um, I think the reason London Underground done it the way they did, obviously, you can pay by Oyster and you can also pay by your debit card. But say, for example, you've got your debit card on the bottom and then your Oyster on the top as you're on your way in. It's going to read and it's got the anti-collision on it it's read your bank card as you go in. But then as you leave, if it's the other way around and you've got your Oyster on the bottom and your bank card on the top, and it's only reading the first one, you're then going to get double emergency fared, which I think is something stupid, like £8.50. So you end up paying 19 quid because you had the cards the wrong way around. So I think they just deny anything if there's more than one UID now. There's, there's a lot of work by a lot of companies that need to happen to better their security with RFID. Unfortunately, I'm not allowed to publish or even like talk about the research that I've done really because bureaucrats, but you know, um, this is, it's worrying that the laziness and you know, the amount of times that, you know, I've seen people running off cards that have triple DES and AES encryption, you know, the highest standard of 
standard of encryption that's available. Um, but then they're, they're authenticating using UID. So it's, it's one of those awful systems where you have a server that's protected by a password that's password. It's that kind of thing. You, you find it everywhere and RFID is no different. So on what you've learned from previous episodes and your projects, what do you think, uh, would we as biohackers and grinders, can we overcome through the challenges of moving biohacking out of it being a subculture and making it more mainstream through greater society, more acceptable and accessible to, say, the muggles, for lack of a better word? I think I've done a... Uh, recorded rant on this before. Uh, I don't know if we ever chucked it anywhere, but um, I'm sure we'd be able to chuck it maybe in here or or somewhere else. But it, you know, it, it's a rant not not to the people of the community, but for the responsibility of the people in the community. At the end of the day, like we work in such a small, close knit society, and I feel like having such a a close community is good. But at the same time, expels everyone else that's not part of the community, which, which I think is detrimental. Not to let you off the hook yet again. I you said it. you've done it. a rant before about it. Why don't you share some more with us? Uh, if people listening to this episode have yet to hear what you have had to say before. So I want to be clear when I'm, when I'm ranting, it's not, I'm not taking it out on people in the community. Like they're great, great people. But there's certain things that we're doing that we think are good that I think are, are not helping becoming to the mainstream. And this is the thing. I think everyone needs to decide whether that's the goal. You know, who says this is the goal? Who, want, who says you know, biohacking has to be in the mainstream? But the idea, I think, behind it is to be accepted as you know, people that are just doing R&D. We need to at least have some contact to the outside world in the form of a mainstream sort of contact but here's the thing everyone's working on their projects it's great you know you want to be part of the community get on our forums get on our lockdown facebook pages you know these kind of things and the only thing that hits the media is either if we do something crazy or we do something out of the box or someone's just decided oh hang on this guy has a has an implant let's let's do a whole coverage story about them and then it hits the newspapers goes a bit viral and then closes closes off again if this is the only outside contact you have I'm not surprised that people are saying things like, oh, we not get tracked because we, we're, we're, we're adding nothing. We're not, we're doing nothing to educate the people outside of this community. And whether that's, oh, why should we, you know, but we do because we're the people that have the responsibility to, to do that. And at the moment, the only thing that people have is the turning machine of, you know, this, this antichrist movement. And it's not just that, it's, it's everything else as well. You know, look, look at if Tattooist decided that you needed to be part of a certain group to be able to talk. But then they, we need to decide, firstly, is this, this the goal? Are we trying to get mainstream? And if that is the goal, we need to make a significant effort. It's not, it's not enough. You know, even, even this podcast, you know, this, this, is, this, is, this is great in terms of if you want to search out and find out things about this. No, even things like at DEFCON, maybe you don't know about the biohacking. You, you come down and you have a look, come to the village, you learn about it. But it's still not attacking that, that outside arena. It's, it's going to be difficult to do that, uh, especially because of the way that the press hold on to things. You know, we can't change that. That's always going to be there. You know, look at, for example, the, the thing, I, I think the good one to look at is either Tim, Tim Cannon's work or Rich Lee's work, because... Rich Lee's Lovetron work, the way that this is reported in, in media changes from, you know, paper to paper to article to article. And essentially, he's just doing something that people would be like, okay, cool. You know, it's, it's a project you want to do. Why not do it? But because of the way that it's, it's portrayed, it only really leads to one thing, which is like, oh, why would you do this? And then you see the comments of this and then people were like throwing their stuff around because they're so confused. And I'm not saying stop the development. I'm not even saying, you know, this is... Is something we have to do, but we need to decide that if it needs to be mainstream, we have to own the responsibility of doing that. To ask a little bit further, what are some of the steps you're doing, uh, you yourself, other than calling for biohacking to be more mainstream, grinding to be more mainstream? What are you doing to help in that area? I, I think the key 
is definitely going to be the education arena. I think for me, it's annoying because it's it's one that I've sort of struggled with at the start, especially with RFIDs. This this is probably the most important thing to me at the moment in terms of biohacking. Uh, obviously, because of my background and stuff. But you know, you get the people that say you can be tracked, etc. And what I was doing was trying to educate each of these people, but you can only educate so much that if someone has a preconceived idea of something, it's very, very difficult to change their, their ideology that, you know, is coming from within themselves. So, you know, I spent hours being that whole, not even just a keyboard warrior, but someone, someone that's trying to put a message across and I can't work out at the moment whether it's worth it or not, because on these big forms where you see like a video where Obamacare is needed for a chip and all this, you know, random stuff, you, you might decide to argue the point. And what you would hope is that if at least one person read that and said, Oh, well, I thought it's for tracking. This guy's saying it's not, maybe I should do my own research and realize, Oh, hang on. It's not. And a lot of people tell me I'm wasting my time because these people will never listen, but it's not so much for these people. I accept, I accept that there's going to be some people in, in society that just will not listen. You know, you can come with ultimate proof and they're not going to listen. But for those people that will listen, the comments there and you know, this, this I'm not letting myself off for this. This is, this is not enough. I don't think, I think we need to get in front of the people that can change this idea. And I think maybe a big one might be some sort of useful development. And I don't, I'm not saying that what we have now is not useful, but things like monitoring vitals for diabetics and things like that, you know, you, you can, you can save lives with the kind of thing that we're doing. And if we can market, not even market, but if we can show this in, in the news the right way, then I think this will lead hopefully to people actually at least doing their own research into the field of it. Quite a few points there that I'm completely agreeing with, such as the media exacerbating everything, like your Obamacare point. And you can only educate people so much, but that's the point of you can only teach people if they're willing to learn. Bringing you back to your tattoo point, I have no doubt in my mind that at the beginning of tattoos, there were conspiracy theories to that as well. I mean, tattooing started so long ago that technology wasn't a thing, but I guarantee you now, if tattooing had just been released, people would have a conspiracy theory about nanites being put in there so that we can be tracked anywhere we go and stuff like this. I did read an interesting article not long ago, I think it was a few months, saying that the younger generation are open-minded. I think it was two-thirds of us willing to get implants in the younger generation. Did you read that? What do you think about it being older generation more opposed to it and younger generation being more open? Personally, I would be worried to sort of label generations. You know, we've been, we've been shocked by generations that, that we, like what I'm worried about basically is, is outcasting a certain generation because they're older because they're younger. I think what needs to happen is it needs to be an individual choice. Not so much of we need to market this to, to younger groups of people because they're more interested in this or look at, look at technology it's almost a must now. It's, it's part of, you know, your, your literacy, your numeracy, and then you've got your IT skills. It, it's it part of those, like that triangle now. What I don't want to do is create another barrier for an older generation that's now adopting this technology. I think millennials have a hard time, to be fair, and this is not just me saying my own sub story, like, but, you know, the, the younger generations, I think sometimes you speak to people of the old generations and because things have changed so differently, you know, we've surpassed Moore's law, you know, it's, you grow up with the technology. I know one of the arguments that was always used to get me when I was a bit younger was, Oh, you're always on your phones. You know, you're always on your, your laptop. You'll never be able to speak to anyone, but look at us now, right? Right now I'm speaking to Cooper, who is the total, you know, almost the opposite side of the world. And we're talking in real time. This podcast then going to go out to you know the five viewers that we have now, <laughs> go out to the decent amount of listeners that we have, and they can listen to that. And the thing is, people say, "Oh, it's going to drive a divide." Why? If it's used in the right way, it should be used in a positive way, and therefore can bring people together. <laughs> and Cooper, it's not being. <laughs> Don't listen to um, Damien where he's saying it's uh, hippie and emotional because <laughs> it's 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 the same with implants. 
you know, if if it can be used in the right way and bring everyone together, it will it hopefully will be adopted in the same manner. Um, and it's not on everyone needs to be implanted by a 2020 kind of rubbish. It's it's look, listen, we've we've got this. If this can better our lives, we should start using it as such. With all this going going through, it, it sounds like you've got a lot going, and you want to have a lot going as well. How are people able to keep up with your work, projects, etc., and if possible, be able to help you with some of these projects? The best point of call is definitely through the podcast. Um, you can email us at info at dangerousminds.io, as you know. The Facebook, um, so our Dangerous Minds podcast, um, Facebook, we all get notifications on. Um, you can either message us there, post something up. You can message me directly. You'll find me on on, on Facebook very, very easily. Um, ideally, I'm going to start moving towards opening up my GitHub, which I'm not able to do at the moment due to the projects that are on it. But once I sort that out, um, hopefully you guys will be able to um, fork some repos if if you like. Um, you can you can keep uh, and and do 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 some some pull requests and stuff if you want to change anything. Hopefully this will go to the DMPU. And if you are at DEFCON, come and speak to us because I'm going to be that crazy British guy. And um, if you won't be able to see me, so so look out for a uh, Cooper. And I'm probably like in the shadow of Cooper somewhere because I'm sure there's going to be crowds there you won't be able to see. I'm, I'm, I'm a small guy. I'm going to, I'm going to bring my, my uh, stepladder, as Cooper's told me to do when I asked him what kind of stuff I need to take. He said, uh, bring a stepladder. So if I can get that through customs, we'll, we'll see if you can, you can see me there. But come say hi anyway. And as a teaser, we might have a win, a date with Cursor, specifically for Hacker Summer Camp. If you are interested in taking Cooper out for a date or a drink, feel free to email us at info at dangerousminds.io or just go to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Dangerous Minds Podcast. Feel free to put up there hashtag date with cursor and tell us why you think you'd be a great date for cursor because hey everybody needs a little bit of love even if they are a little right cursor right damien it sounds like a free no <laughs> i heard i heard vegas is an expensive place um are you are you saying that you're just going to take him to taco bell for for the date <laughs> and then you have your witty uh, conversationalist going on uh, don't bring out applebee's i've never been to any of those places um <laughs> ever ever so i i guess i guess we try to figure something out some some english breakfast maybe thanks for having me on um it's been a pleasure um i, li- I like your podcast i like the work you do yeah uh, that, that, that extra plug at the end uh, that's still not going to increase your pay it's still going to remain wow. nothing <laughs> No races for you, sir. <laughs> it can't go down. <laughs> That's the position you always want to be in. You Actually, pay, you, could. Go you could be paying me. <laughs> That's a fair point. <laughs> yeah, you could be paying it's me good. for the pleasure. But after anyway. the uh, ex- expense to DEF CON, um, we'll, we'll, we'll try and get some live stuff out to you guys. As I'm, as I'm doing, you see, you see the, the trip from the UK to the US. And um, if they let me into your beautiful country. We'll stop them at the border. Be like, oh, I checked your social media. You suck. You got to go home. I think, I think you're my emergency contact, Cooper. So uh, I'd worry a bit more about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to be driving my way to DEFCON. So if you're flying in while I'm driving, most likely I'll be in the middle of the desert without service. And you'll be uh, trapped in jail in LA or wherever. So um, if, if anyone is going to DEFCON, come and get me out. If you don't see me on the first day, I'm probably <laughs> stuck in limbo somewhere. Kelsey, you might That's just it. be able to squeeze between the bars, just walk straight out. This is true as well. Guantanamo Bay, what? Just don't order the chopped beef sandwich. Don't do it. It's not worth it. You slip in with the rest of us down here. We definitely want to say a special thanks to Ashley, a.k.a. Cursor, 
for yeah. taking the abuse and joining us each week here with Dangerous Minds as we take a closer look at the hosts that have volunteered their time and sometimes more so to make this possible. We've now gotten more than 50 episodes recorded, only 43 published. We do apologize at this time of recording for not keeping up with what we've been recording, but life is what it is. We want to thank you for still pumping up our stats as I continue to monitor them, downloading so much this uh, past efforts and continued efforts every week. Uh, I'm still surprised with how many downloads we keep getting. And it, it's just phenomenal for something that we started back in September of 2016 at a, at a whim, just tracking the, tracking the stats then. We originally started recording end of August after DEF CON just to see what we could do, what we could come up with. Definitely want to thank you, our listeners, for enjoying it, uh, if you could say so, and learning along with us as we continue to fumble through it and just explore this fastly growing community of biohackers grinding implantable technology and network security. So please feel free to reach out to us with questions, comments, heckling. But if you heckle, do expect reverse heckling um, because it, it's, it should be expected. You're welcome to find us at dangerousminds.io or our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash dangerousmindspodcast. And perhaps one day we'll talk to you about the work and our projects you're exploring and or developing. Until next week, seek the spark. Interface, we're gonna stick it in your face, till it in your brain and interlace. There's an arms war on, and we're gonna win the race. Leave everything in a race, bring the base. And if you're still listening, he just said I look respectable, so hopefully that boosts the date thing.